would open up to Jeremiah chapter 17, It'll be followed by Colossians 2. Good morning, church. So first of all, from Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 8, and today we're reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in barren wilderness and in in uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And then from Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7. We're talking of the freedom of rules and new life in Christ. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down in him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This is the word of our Lord. Well, as many of you would be aware, we are in a series at the moment looking at our six different vision scenarios. And today was going to be about mission and about partnering with our cross-cultural workers. Uh, However, last week I had the opportunity to catch up with Ash and uh, we had a great time. And during coffee, one of the things that I was able to share with her, we were sort of sharing things with one another, was how the Lord had given me this word stability for this year, that it was a year of kind of just continuing to put roots down into those things that matter most, uh, faith, family, ministry. Anyway, Ash went away and um, painted this beautiful image for me and uh, and she said it was a gift for both me and for the church and um, I'll just leave it here and that really blessed me and as I spent time um, just reflecting and sitting with this picture on Wednesday of this week I really sensed the Lord just kind of nudging me to set aside the mission talk which we will absolutely come back to and, and just dwell in this place for a little longer. You know, discipleship is all about putting deep roots down into Christ. And it's interesting, we at the moment find ourselves in a, at a juncture. You might recall uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke about loving God, loving people and making disciples. And how of our six vision scenarios, kind of three of them, worship, prayer, discipleship, all relate to loving God, and the final three, uh, mission, outreach, and justice, all relate to loving people. So we're actually at this interesting juncture point uh, where the convergence of loving God and loving loving people uh, meet. And I thought, what an ideal place for us just to pause 
and spend a little bit more time talking about being deeply rooted disciples. Because our overarching vision statement is growing Christ-centered disciples. And indeed, last week's Bible passage from Colossians 2 highlights this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love trees. <laughs> Especially tall, strong, majestic trees. Um, I find that going for a walk uh, in a park or in a forest, uh, surrounded by these tall silent towers of strength ministers it does good to my soul you know we spoke a while ago about just what creation does for our souls something about trees that just enlarges my heart and gives me vision and inspiration and it's wonderful to have some fellow tree lovers here in the congregation Uh, I'm sure there are many closet tree lovers as well But uh, Bronnie and I were privileged to get married in a garden uh, in front of two amazing trees. Um, And last year when we were looking for houses to buy, there was this house that had this enormous liquid amber tree out the front. And I mean, unfortunately, the house wasn't the right house for us. But I was so disappointed because the thought of having this tree at the front of our house brought me so much hope and and, uh, we don't have many trees at our place now, but there are lots of trees behind our house, which is great. But I love trees, and uh, trees mean a lot to me. And I imagine when I look at trees, tall trees, and I'm, I'm so grateful that here I have an office that looks out over all the gums. It's just wonderful. And that we have a church that we can look out and see the glory of God's creation. I just think it's marvellous. But when I look at these trees, I'm often overwhelmed and awed at the strength and the beauty that... As I think about all of the storms that these trees have stood through, I think about the birds and the creatures that they have given refuge and safety and a place of lodging for. I think about families that picnic under trees. And there's just so many images that come to my mind. Um, Trees definitely inspire me. One of my all-time favourite passages of Scripture is Psalm 1, where the psalmist contrasts um, uh, a person who fears God, a person who seeks after God, a person who meditates on the Word of God, with a person, essentially, who doesn't. And the person who loves and fears and reveres God is described as a tree, a tree whose uh, roots go deep down into the water, planted by a river bank, um, whose leaves are always green. Uh, and this tree produces fruit in every season. And for me, it's, it's just an incredible picture of faithfulness that over the years, the tree continues to stand as the roots continue to go down and down and further down. And for me, it's a a wonderful picture, an image of 
increased faithfulness leading to increased fruitfulness. This tree is described as a fruit-producing tree. And God blesses faithfulness to his word. God blesses faithfulness to his word. Now, the interesting thing to note about this picture, and certainly that one up there as well, but this picture, is that you can see the roots. Now, we know that trees have roots, but for the most part, when we look at trees outside, we don't see the roots, do we? We know they're there, but we don't see them. And in fact, what we don't see is what enables what we do see. The roots are the life source. Without the roots, the tree dies. It has no strength. It cannot produce fruit season in, season out. And so as we today spend a little time thinking about deep roots, I want us to think about our inner worlds, What is unseen? Because what is unseen supports that which is seen. Now, as as humans, our, our natural inclination is actually to give more consideration, more priority, more thought and effort into that which is seen. This is the world we live in, a world of externals. But the Scriptures tell us that God looks at the heart. What God cares about is the internals. And if we tend to our internals, well, the externals will take care of themselves. Trees don't try to grow. (laughs) It's actually what they're designed to do. And given the right soil and nourishment as those roots continue to go down deep into the ground the tree flourishes and I want to contend friends that the same is true of us in our Christian walk that as we tend to that which is unseen that which is seen will flourish will produce fruit and bring glory to God's name and advance the kingdom of God A passage similar to Psalm 1, which Bob read to us earlier, is Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. And it too offers these two contrasting images of a a person that that puts their trust in, in people, in human strength, and a person who puts their trust in God. The difference with the Jeremiah passage, though, is that Jeremiah speaks about roots. Now, of course, the Psalm 1 tree has deep roots, and I think we're effectively talking about the same tree here. But the Jeremiah passage uh, happens to say in verse 17, uh, verse 6, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Now, similar to Psalm 1, and in fact many of the Psalms have this this contrast going on between the wicked and the blessed. Um, And we see that here in the Jeremiah 17 passage. And so, interestingly, what it all comes down to, it's got nothing to do with effort. (laughs) 
It's all about who's, where your trust is placed. So the, the contrast is made between a person who places their trust in humankind and in human strength and in human ways and strategies. And this person is described as a shrub in a dry and barren desert land. And I think we have a picture of that. Um, um, so this is kind of, yeah, this is the image of, of this person who places their trust in the things of this world, in, in military, in, in political strategies. Um, this, is, this is the outcome. And this person is described as being cursed. Now that's in contrast to the person whose trust is in the Lord, whose hope and confidence is in the Lord. And this person is described as having deep roots that go into the water bank, whose leaves never uh, wither. They always remain green. Um, it doesn't matter whether storms come, uh, whether there's heat and drought. Because the roots are so deep, the tree remains fruitful, season in and season out. Now, when you look at these two contrasting images, clearly... This is the image you want to be, <laughs> clearly. And that's, that's, the, that's the point that the writer is making. Jeremiah is writing to Judah, the southern kingdom. And these people at the time that he writes were placing their, their hopes, their trust in military strength, in human strategies, in political policies to bring about change. But Jeremiah says, no. If that's where your hope is placed, this is how you will end up. This is the result. People who place their trust in things that are fading will end up cursed. People who end up placing their trust in God, who is faithful, who is trustworthy, will flourish and so, as I've been thinking about these kind of two contrasting images, obviously with a deep desire to be in the second camp, to be a person whose roots grow deep, whose life produces fruit for the kingdom and the glory of God. The question for me is, how do we cultivate the soil and the roots so that our lives may bear fruit? Now, as we talk in a moment about we're going to talk briefly about soil, about roots, and about fruit. Now, as we consider the soil and the roots, the thing to note is that the soil and the roots are unseen. Soil and roots are unseen. But the fruit is what's seen. So if we actually concentrate and put... Um, cultivate soil and roots, then the fruit will kind of take care of itself. Now, the fruit is, in a sense, what we long for, what we desire for. It's the outcome. But if we actually kind of just try and focus on the fruit and don't tend to and give concentrated effort towards the soil and the roots, we'll never actually realise and harvest the fruit 
that the scriptures speak of. Just like a tree that has no root system will not stand, a Christian without a root system also will not stand. So how do we tend, how do we cultivate the soil for, to create the optimal um, chance for our roots to grow down deep? Well, we need to tend to our relationship with the Lord. Just as a gardener tends to their garden, followers of Jesus tend to their souls. They tend to that relationship with God, that walk with God. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says, The life that is pleasing to God is not a series of religious duties. We have only one thing to do, namely to experience a life lived in relational intimacy with God. A life lived in relational intimacy with God is indeed a life that will produce fruit. So as I think about soil, there are three things that have come to mind, I think, that create and cultivate soil and and the optimal environment, if you will, for roots to grow down deep. And those three things I'm going to suggest, and of course, I've come up with three things. This is not exclusive. But here are three things that we can add to our soil that will cultivate the right environment for roots to grow deep. And they are the Word of God, prayer, and reflection. The Word of God, prayer, and reflection. Now, let me just comment briefly on each of these three things. We need a steady diet of God's Word into our lives Now, there are multiple ways that we can receive that. Uh, With today's technology, we can can listen um, on our phones. Uh, We can read it on our computer screens. We can can read the open scriptures. There's multiple ways that we can... There's lots of tools to assist us, but we need a steady diet of God's Word in our lives. God reveals himself to us through his Word. God speaks to us through his Word. And we need to be shaped by the Word of God. Um, And so there is no substitute for the Word of God. And you know this, but I think it's worth worth saying. Uh, We need to be reminded of the centrality of the Word of God in the life of a believer. Prayer is our ongoing communication with God. And again, we've spoken about prayer. You can't foster a meaningful, growing relationship without communication. Now, some of us are better communicators than others, and that's okay. You need to find your, I guess I could say, preferred method of communication with God. I gave a few illustrations a couple of weeks ago. For me, I find writing very helpful. Um, You might be a text prayer person, just lots of short prayers throughout the day. Um, You might be a get down on your knees. And and look, the wonderful thing with prayer is there are so many options. Um, As I spoke about communication, we never communicate with our our loved ones, or anyone for that matter, the same all the time. There are different forms of communication. And 
we need to explore different forms of communication with God too. But prayer is kind of our vital link in terms of that relationship with God. And the third thing there, which I think is important and often overlooked, is reflection. And I'm drawn back to Psalm 1. And the reason this person flourishes, the reason this person is so blessed is because they meditate on the law. They meditate on the word of God. And for me, there's a sense there of of really sitting with the scriptures, of allowing your soul to be soaked in God's word. But reflection is the process of not just receiving information, but then actually taking time to process that information and as followers of Jesus to consider how do I now put this into practice how does this play out how does this truth play out in my life that's why I feel the reflection piece is very important so the soil how we tend and cultivate the right soil to put deep roots down is through um, a daily or regular feeding on God's word regular ongoing communication with God through prayer and space and time for reflection, reflection on the Word of God, reflection on how God is speaking to us through prayer. Secondly, the roots. The roots. Here are three things that we can do to put deep roots down into that soil. And these are three things I believe the Scriptures call believers to The first one is repentance. God's been speaking to me about this a lot lately. You know, repentance is not just a one-off affair. Repentance is actually to be a way of life. Um, Repentance, as many of you would know, means to turn around. Now, oftentimes, repentance is seen as a negative. But I'd love to try and think that we could frame it in more positive ways terms. Repentance actually means the opportunity to change. Repentance is the door that we can walk through to a changed life. Repentance means that I am placing my trust in God, who A, through the Christ has forgiven my sins, and I don't have to walk in the old ways according to the old sinful nature, but in fact because of what Jesus has done, I'm invited to walk in new ways, ways that are actually going to help me flourish. (laughs) You see, the old ways, the sinful ways, ultimately lead to death, whereas God's ways, the new ways, lead to life. Repentance is an opportunity to grow. The Scriptures call all believers to a life of repentance. And a life of repentance is a life that is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't change in and of our own strength. I don't know about you, but I feel like sin in my life is a little bit like weeds and dirty dishes. It doesn't matter how often you pull those damn things out, they just keep growing back. And dishes, it doesn't matter how often you wash the dishes, they just keep coming back. And this is the reality, isn't it? We're never going to live completely free of sin in this life. But we can live victorious over that sin. The sin does not have to determine who we are and the direction of our lives. And certainly people who place their trust in the Spirit and seek to walk and live in His ways will sin increasingly less as they learn to walk in the new ways. Obedience. 
again, another word we don't really like to use. And in fact, as I thought about these two words, repentance and obedience, I must confess, I looked for softer words. I looked for different words. Is there a word that kind of means the same thing but is a little bit more acceptable in the 21st century? And... um, That's just the wrestle that I was having as a communicator, as someone who wants to communicate God's truth in a way that is as accessible as possible. And then I had this deep conviction, and I thought, you know what, Joel? You're a follower of the Word, not a follower of the world. And the Word says you repent. And the Word says you obey. And I had this moment of, yes, Lord, I will repent And I will obey. And so, friends, men and women of God, as followers of Jesus, will you repent? Will you obey? The word obedience, again, not a word that we use. Not a popular word to use in today's society. But what does Jesus say? Go into all the world. Make disciples. Teach them to obey. Discipleship is a process of teaching one another to obey, to obey the commands of Jesus. Um, it says in, in John, John 14, 23, Jesus says, whoever loves me will obey my commands. To obey is to trust. And obedience and trust are very closely linked Um, because the kinds of things that Jesus commands us to obey him in are things like loving our enemies, speaking truth in love, taking up our cross daily and dying to ourself, loving as we've been loved, giving extravagantly beyond measure when it doesn't make sense. To be an obedient follower, you have to place your trust in the Lord, to trust that he knows best and to trust that as you step out and live the life that he's calling you to live, that he will be faithful, that he is trustworthy. And finally, so repentance, obedience, and trust. And finally, what is the fruit? What is the fruit that results from the unseen John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, I'd like to suggest three things the scriptures point to. And that is character, witness, and multiplication. Character is all about who who you are, who you are becoming. And as we sink our roots deep into the word of God and to prayer and reflection and repentance and obedience and trust, we increasingly become more Christ-like. And our character becomes more Christ-like. We become salt and light. You know, people who live lives of depth, who are putting their roots deep into God's word and being obedient to God's word, are different. They stand out. They're unique. They're salt and light. 
And Jesus said in, in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And again, I just want to keep coming back to the fact that we need to learn to walk in the Spirit, to trust the Spirit to lead and guide us. The life of submission and surrender, it's not an easy path, but God leads the way. Jesus is in control. He's in the steering wheel. And it's a process as we submit ourselves to his word and to his spirit, it will happen. We will actually find ourselves being led and directed by God's spirit, learning to make choices and make decisions and do things that without the help and the assistance and the empowerment of the spirit, we wouldn't do. Trust the process. Trust the spirit. And finally, multiplication. Terry spoke of this last Sunday. The Bible's vision, the Bible's teaching about discipleship is that a true disciple will make disciples who make disciples. Imagine if every single person in this room, imagine if the fruit of your life is that believers were multiplying because you were obedient, because you were repentant, because you sunk deep roots into the word of God and prayer and reflection. This, my friends, is a grand and glorious vision of what the church of Jesus Christ is to be, is it not? Men and women of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, put your roots deep down into Christ and allow your life to be built on him. You know, I think what we have here is a recipe that works. It's a recipe that the scriptures give us. Cultivate the soil, put down your roots. And friends, those are things that are unseen. Give yourself to these things. Independence upon the Spirit and trust that in God's good timing we will see a harvest of character, godly, Christ-like character of men and women, boys and girls witnessing to the life-changing truth of Jesus and we will see disciples being multiplied as people come into the kingdom of God and receive the Lamb of God who stood in their place, just as he stood in our place. Brothers and sisters in Christ, men and women of God, may it be said of you, may it be said of us, that we are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Lord, may this be true of us, your people. And we submit ourselves to the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to live lives that reflect your kingdom, your will, and your ways. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your word, Lord. A song that speaks to me very deeply of the faithfulness of God is Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know, and we spoke about trees today. And when I think often about these massive, towering, strong trees, I think of the faithfulness that they've withstood time and season and change.
And this is our God. He is faithful. He withstands. He remains. He is unchanging. So as we conclude our service today, let us sing this wonderful truth. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you.